welcome back to season two. I'm your host, Wessit Certified Wine Influencer and Bottle Hoarder, Karis Pixie, and you're listening to the podcast, Fine Vines and Wine, the show that takes you on a journey through the world of Australian wine, one guest and several glasses at a time. Whether you're a seasoned connoisseur or a curious beginner, this show has something for everyone. So grab a glass, sit back and join us for today's episode. Cheers. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the Cadigal people, traditional custodians of the land that I record the podcast on. I pay my respect to the elders past, present and emerging, and I also extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that resides where any guests are recording. To kick off the new season, I'll be chatting with Duxton Vineyard's chief winemaker, Tony Allen, who brings over 30 years of wine industry experience in winemaking operations and sales. He also plays a key role in the creation of sustainable wine brand, Rewild Wine, a range made with minimal intervention and regeneration in mind. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Tony, for the first episode of season two. How has your week been? Uh, yes, well, we're into vintage already. So um, we've been busy crushing grapes and um, yeah. getting some juice into ferment. So um, it's been a bit of a difficult season leading up to vintage. But um, yeah, now we're into full swing. So it's been very busy. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, how long does vintage usually last for? A normal vintage would probably go for about 10 weeks normally. So the winery sort of operates around the clock during that time. So we're 24-7, we're crushing grapes six days a week and we have a lot of extra staff on, on site yeah. that need training. Um, yeah, so it's very busy time of year but very re- rewarding as well. So as winemakers, that's what we love to do, so. Yes, no, definitely. Um, jumping straight into the questions, how long have you been working in the wine industry and how do you think it's changed over the years? I started in the industry back in 1989. So my first vintage was as a lab assistant at Beacon Estate, uh, which yeah. is up here in the Mildura region as well. Straight after vintage, I gained full-time employment in the lab at the Hardy Wine Company Um, at their Stanley Winery, which is just on the New South Wales side of the river up here in Mildura. I worked in the lab for about seven years and then the senior winemaker at the time convinced me to do my degree via correspondence at Charleston Uni in Wagga. So I undertook that, took me six years by correspondence to complete um, in full-time employment as well and then doing... 80-hour weeks during vintage, it was a challenge, but no, I'm wrapped that I did it. Since then, I've held various positions. I've worked at this winery, uh, which is currently where we are now because Duxton bought yeah. a winery, and I've, I've held several roles. I was senior white winemaker for a while. I was senior winemaker. Then I moved on to a senior winemaker winery manager role, and then... Uh, probably about 2014, I took on a role with Accolade Wines at the time okay. as yeah. Director of Commercial Wineries. So in that role, I was basically overseeing both the Berry and Stanley wineries. Um, Berry Estates is the 
biggest winery in Australia. I think the Southern Hemisphere. They oh wow, crush, okay. They crush over two thousand two hundred thousand tons each year. So yeah, that's a monster of a place. Yeah. And then in two thousand and nineteen, Accolades sold the Stanley Winery uh, to Duxton and. As that happened, I took a little bit of a break and then I ended up coming back joining Duxton as senior winemaker. Oh, amazing. Wow, it's been a massive journey then. It has, yeah. Um, I've held a lot of roles. Um, In the last couple of months, I've actually transitioned into grape and wine commercial manager roles. So in that role, I'm sort of managing our uh, supply and demand position and yeah. I'm in charge of all of our bulk wine trading as well. So I still work closely with all the winemakers on site in relation to, you know, winemaking direction and brand promotion, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it's really good. It's um, since joining Duxton, it's been like a breath of fresh air, really. We've got a great team here. We've got big plans for the future. Overall, we have a total vineyard area of, just under two and a half thousand hectares okay um which makes us i think we're the fifth biggest largest vineyard landholder in australia um in a normal year we'd produce about seventy thousand tons of grapes which would make over 50 million liters of year uh one year (laughs) we've got 25 different varietals in the vineyard so um that's great we've got Um, your stock standard Chardonnay, Shiraz, Cabernet Merlot, but we've also got some some different alternative varieties like Nero Diablo and Vermentino, Tempranillo. So that keeps things interesting from a winemaking perspective. Definitely. Yeah, and Duxton's really committed to leadership in environmental sustainability in the wine industry as well. So we're really proud of that. We're not we are big, but we're not corporate as such. Yeah. And we've got a highly experienced team of sort of experts throughout the industry that are running the operation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great place to work. Oh, no, it's, it sounds like it, definitely. It sounds like it's a big venture as well. Lots to do. Yes, there's always something to do, that's for sure. <laughs> My gosh. Um, so have you noticed any massive changes in the wine industry over your years working? Yeah, when I first started back in 89, basically this plant was, it only crushed Sultana, Gordo grapes and a bit of red, so a little bit of Shiraz. And it was mostly for the cask industry, to be honest. So Yeah. And the whole region was like that. It was planted to Sultana, Gordo, which are basically fresh fruit varieties that we made cask wine out of. And then the wine industries sort of developed in this region over time and the wine varietals have been planted. And, yeah, it's certainly a much more premium sort of offering from from these regions now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think wine quality is certainly improving still year on year. Oh, yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I'd say that would be the biggest difference lots of different differences in the technology we're using now in the winery as well yeah yeah Yeah, quite a few quite a few big changes I feel like yeah the wine industry just is continuously changing like 
started with cask wine then we went back to cask wine I feel like cask wine is sort of not really a thing anymore and now we're going into other sort of areas so yeah it's definitely always changing yes yes I think people are, are certainly drinking better quality wine now yes and the producers are, are certainly crafting better wines as well yes no definitely what would you say has been your most memorable moment in wine so far um, this one probably happened very recently, actually. Uh, we were awarded the Wine State magazine's Best Australian Wine under $20 with the Rewild Rosé. Congratulations. So I actually bought the trophy. Oh, wow. To see. So, um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a great accolade for us, um, especially mm. with the Rewild brand just coming out recently. The wine scored 97 points with the Wine State judges and was awarded four and a half stars. And we we really only entered it into the rosé category, but when it yeah. won that category, we then went into the chance to win the Wine of the Year honours. So um, fortunately for us, we took out the best <laughs> value Aussie wine under $20, which is great because we really pride ourselves on providing our customers with great quality wines, but at a, a, an amazing value for money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, your bottles are at a really affordable price. What do um, the judges look for when they're tasting a rosé to win that sort of award? Well, we definitely, we jumped on the bandwagon a little bit a couple of years ago. We were making a Nero Diablo rosé, but I don't think people understood it. So yeah, we... We just tried to make a Provence-style Shiraz rosé, which yeah. was really pale in colour and quite dry. Yes. And the wine is, it's really, it's a great quality drink, lovely sort of strawberry fruits with a little bit of tannin and spice. Yeah. For a $10 bottle, you just can't go wrong. It's great, yeah. Oh my God. especially because those sort of pale French styles, especially from Provence, are so exy. It's nice to be able to have something so affordable and still have that same taste. Yeah, exactly. And that can be a bit hit and miss on quality as mm. well. So, yeah. you know, I think rosé is certainly the most popular drink in Europe and um, hopefully the trend continues here in Australia as well. Yes, I definitely think I definitely think it's going to. Um do you have any personal wine goals for 2023? I mean, you've won this award, so I'm guessing that's one ticked off the list, but do you have any others? Yeah, we don't really go in trying to win awards, I guess. Yeah. Probably the first goal will be to survive vintage. If uh, <laughs> It's been a really challenging year. Every year you're thrown different hurdles that you've got to jump yep. over. The last two years up here have been uh, quite wet and humid and very difficult to grow wine grapes. So really our goal this year in 23 is to just improve on the quality that we've been sending to bottle and build the momentum of the for the Rewild brand yeah. going forward. We, we really hope we can engage some overseas customers and take Rewild to the world as well yes. and expand our sales overseas. So that would be probably the number one goal at this stage. Yeah, no, definitely. Talking about the um, sort of weather difficulties with picking season and everything like that, do you think climate change has a big factor in in that? I think so, yeah. And I mean, we, we, we've seen it up here the last two years with the La Nina event and yeah. more rainfall, more humid weather. We'll probably go into a 20-year drought again now, who, who <laughs> yeah. knows, but 
I think so, yeah. And we, we need so – this area is uh, a really hot region as well. So with climate change, you know, a small increase in temperature is not going to be great for wine grapes. Yeah. So it's certainly something that we think of from a business perspective and hence, you know, what the Rewild brand's about, really. It's yeah. taking care of Mother Nature and hopefully putting more back in than we take out. So, yeah, so I think climate change is – something that we all need to act on for sure no definitely i definitely agree with that especially because well i'm originally from england and england being able to grow grapes and being able to have sparklings and being able i think they won there's an english winery that won the best sav blanc in europe or something like that and that's great like i never even imagined that that would be the case for somewhere no, like england and french producers are thinking about moving yes. to england now to grow grapes yes so. yeah no it's definitely crazy um let's talk a little bit more about rewild wine for anyone that hasn't heard of them can you tell us a little bit more about the label yeah so rewild as a brand is a truly sustainable wine brand, which is available now exclusively through Dan Murphy's yeah. and select BWS stores. It sells uh, for $9.99 at Dan's. Okay. The brand has a genuine focus on sustainability across all aspects of the winemaking process from, from the grape to the glass, basically, which includes you know grape growing, obviously, and winemaking, but also production and packaging as well. Yeah. Yeah, Rewild's committed to progressive sustainability and regenerative thinking with um, several environmental initiatives are in place to ensure, uh, like I said, that the brand gives back more than it takes from Mother Nature. So, yeah, the wines are made in the winery with minimal intervention. By that, I mean we, we try and have as few touch points on the wine as possible. Okay. We want to minimise waste in the winemaking process. Uh, we don't use things like filter earth on site here anymore, which I think probably most of the larger wineries in Australia are still using filter earth as okay. a filter aid in yeah. the winemaking process. So this created a lot of waste for us, which ended up in landfills. So we bought new technology in and move the old earth filters out and put in new centrifuges and high solids crossflow equipment, which took the place of that. Yeah. Reduced our water consumption, reduced our energy consumption and our rework and all this stuff going to landfill as well. So virtually everything in the winemaking process is either reused or recycled in some way. So all the grape mark is used to make distillation spirit, grape spirit, all of our stalks and leaves that come out of the crusher are used as mulch or used in the vineyards um, as compost. Any equipment that we purchase in the winery, we make sure it's all energy efficient, that there's no waste, and that it's fit for purpose. So the Rewild brand, we sort of work with the dance team for probably yeah. 18 months to get this project off the ground. I guess the... Um, The brand story and everything about it was more to do with, as a business, how Duxton wanted to behave. And so we spoke to the team at Dan Murphy's and they were keen to uh, add a certified uh, sustainable brand to their portfolio. So 
there's 10 different varieties in the brand. We have a Prosecco, a Chardonnay, a Sauvignon Blanc, Fiano, Moscato, Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet Shiraz. I think that's it. Oh, and I forgot the Shiraz Rosé as well. So yeah. um, the award winner. And we've got another blend um, on the go, which will be released pretty soon with bands as well. So it's great to get 11 new SKUs out there straight up. And yeah. everyone's receiving the wines really well. So the feedback from everybody is that uh, they taste fantastic. We've done really well on the show circuit. Yeah. And everyone is basically saying what great value for money they are. So, and behind that, we've got the sustainability story as well, which is on the back of the label, which talks about our sustainability initiatives. Yeah, we're really proud of it. Proud of the brand. Yeah, no, it's amazing that you have so many different styles as well. So there's definitely something for everyone. When you say you work closely with Dan Murphy's, do they have a say in what styles you bring out? Or is it more you kind of say what you want and then they tell you if they think it's going to be popular or not? We were really surprised to get that many different SKUs <laughs> added at once. Yeah. Yeah, it was really difficult. So I think it's a testament to the quality of the wine that we're making at Duxton, but also yeah. the brand story behind it. So, you know, we grow a lot of the varieties that are in the range. We're probably the biggest Pinot Gris grower in the Southern Hemisphere, Okay, I would, I would imagine. So we probably sell half of that domestically and yeah. the other half is export and we keep the best parcels for Ewald. So yes, <laughs> we, we did work with Dan's, and they told us um, what they would like. And this new eleventh skew that's coming on board was totally from them. They said, "Well, how okay, about we, we want a wine in this style, yeah, to fit this hole in in our portfolio." So, oh, amazing! Okay, yeah. that's. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, so on the last season of the podcast, several times we discussed the Sustainable Wine Growing Australia program, which you are the largest certified member of, which is amazing. Congratulations. What actions do you have to put in place to gain that title? Virtually everything we do. Okay. So we apply regenerative farming practices. Yeah, basically we're just seeking to assist in reversing agriculture's contribution to the environment wherever we can. So basically, you know, like I said before, we're, we're trying to put more back in than what we take out. So some of the initiatives include improving soil, microbial diversity, soil carbon content, shifting towards 100% recycled materials yeah. where we can, on our trellises in the vineyard, we're looking at alternative energy sources. We're working with strategic relationships with government bodies and universities on trialling different things that have a, will assist us with our sustainability and our, our footprint. Yeah, so we are the largest uh, certified member of Sustainable Winemaking Australia. Yeah. So all of our vineyards and the winery were required to be audited by a third party. Okay, yeah. To get this standard. 
yeah, there are there are a lot of things that went into it. It's really a continuous improvement program to show that we're trying to continuously improve to reduce our footprint and yeah. things such as reducing our waste, our water use, biodiversity, our chemical use, a lot of things like that. Um, you know, we've put in fish greens on our river where we yes. where we pump water for irrigating our vineyards to protect native fish. And that has also given us an offset in that we're using a hell of a lot less water backflushing yeah. our filters all the time. Yeah, that there's heaps of initiatives that our environmental manager Dylan Klingbill is working on. Yeah. Like I say, it's it's continuously evolving and it's just a continuous improve, improvement program for us. And it's just the way that we want to do business as well. Yeah. So it's no, not exactly. something we have to do, it's something that we do as part of our normal day. Yeah. So do they sort of bring in like new approaches that you have to kind of meet and then they come and check on you to make sure you've met those as well to keep that title? Yes, yes. So we do get re-audited um, mm. to make sure that, you know, we've got KPIs in place that we want to meet and to basically show that we are in that continuous improvement model so that we are focused on increasing our sustainability credentials. Yeah, so everyone's sort of sustainability is the buzzword at the yes. moment in the food industry, the wine industry. In every industry. <laughs> so, yeah, from Sustainable Winemaking Australia's point of view, that there needs to be a rigorous process and yeah. re-auditing, getting re-audited is part of that process, yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, In your opinion, I feel like we've touched on it a little bit, but what does a wine label need in order to be sustainable? If you had like a top five things that you would think that someone would need. Yeah, it's about looking at all aspects of your entire business. Yeah. So from vineyard, you know, for us, it's from the grape to the bottle, basically. So, and everything in between. So in the vineyard, you know, we're looking at water conservation. We're looking at alternative energy sources, recycled posts in the vineyard, soil biodiversity, in the winery, we're looking at, again at ways of reducing our carbon footprint via alternative energy sources, water reuse, yeah. planting trees in our woodlot, all of that sort of stuff. Then we go through to packaging where we're using lightweight bottles, uh, recycled aluminium in the caps. The labels are made of uh, sugarcane waste. Oh, wow. Lots of things like that. So, yeah, it's basically every step of the process is, you know, can we do this in a more environmental, environmentally yeah. friendly manner? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So we're going to be tasting two of the wines today on the podcast. I'm sort of regretting not opening the Prosecco before the episode. So whilst I open this. And I haven't opened spray, mine either. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Try not to spray it on my laptop. Um so I love how affordable the wines are. Is it challenging to make a sustainable wine while keeping the purchase cost for consumers low? Um, to a degree, yes. Um, but I think the most <laughs> important thing, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay, all good. <laughs> it is a wine podcast after all, so. I think the, the most important thing from our winemaking department's point of view is just to make great quality wines yeah 
sustainability is a is a thing. It's just part of the way we do business and the way the operation day to day goes about its business. So yeah. So that means just taking no shortcuts in relation to quality, attention to detail in the winery and in the vineyard. You know, we are always looking at ways that we can save costs in the process, but not at the detriment of quality and the environment. So yeah, yeah, making a sustainable wine is not really something we think about. Yeah, because sustainability is at the centerpiece of everything we do. So yeah, yeah, it's just the way we do things. So. The cost, would it be cheaper to not go down the sustainability route? Probably yes, to be honest. So, yeah. And, you know, there are some chemicals and um, some wine finding agents, et cetera, that would be of assistance in the process, but due to our business approach that uh, we just don't use them. Yeah. No, I no, I love that you guys are sustainable. I think it's... I definitely think it's something that more wineries are probably planning to do or should be looking at as well. Talking about this Prosecco, apparently we're getting a heat wave in Sydney, um, so this is perfect. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about the wine? Yeah, so the Prosecco, we grow quite a bit of Prosecco. It's probably one of our best sellers, to be honest. The, the wine is quite effervescent. It's got a really fine bead. On the nose, you can notice um, sort of sweet pear, citrus, green apple type yeah. characters. Yeah. The palate's really vibrant and fresh. There's a touch of sugar there just to balance that acidity. Overall, it's just a really refreshing wine. Yes. That goes with just about anything, to be honest, on any occasion. So mm. if you're matching it with food, you know, maybe oysters would be a Great match at a dinner yeah. party on a hot summer's day like today in Sydney. Maybe a cold fruit platter with a bottle of Prosecco would okay. go down ideally. So Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever thought about pairing Prosecco with fruit, but now you say it, I'm like, actually, that would be really nice. Yeah. And the uh, Rewild Prosecco won gold at the Riverland Wine Show earlier this year as well. So it's done really well on the show circuit. Congratulations. No, I can tell why it's very, it's definitely a very easy drinking sort of Prosecco. I mean, I love a Prosecco anyway, but yeah, no, it's beautiful. Um, have a little bit more and then move on. Um, back to the topic of sustainability. Rewild's parent brand, Duxton Vineyards, is now a bronze partner of Sustainability Advantage. Can you explain a little bit more about the process of what it took to attain this and what that award means and how it's different from the other sustainable platform that you're part of as well yeah sure so the new south Wales sustainability advantage scheme is a new south wales it's a voluntary initiative yeah um for businesses that are seeking to lead in the space of sustainability and reducing their emissions and so forth so we joined the group there's an annual fee but in return okay. the business gets access to experts in the sustainability space so we also gained early access into some government pilot funding around okay. reducing our carbon emissions and pathways to reach net zero carbon emissions in the future. Yeah. Okay. The bronze award is recognition for being a member for greater than 12 months. Okay. And actively participating in initiatives 
um, over that time. So Dylan Klingbeal, our environmental manager, and the Duxton team work really hard to achieve sustainability across all the business operations. Yeah. So, yeah, like I mentioned before, we're driven by, you know, energy savings, reducing waste, reducing our emissions and so forth. So our long-term partnership with Sustainability Advantage, coupled now with being recognised as a, a bronze partner, yeah, is an important milestone in our journey and hopefully in the future we get to gold and then platinum because of our efforts in the sustainability field. Yeah, how, so how, what else would you have to do to get to the gold and platinum sort of stages? I guess, again, it's just continuous improvement um, and showing how we're reducing our footprint going forward. So we do have a goal uh, eventually to become carbon neutral, carbon negative. Yeah. You know, hopefully in the future, our continuous improvement programs will get us there. Okay, perfect. Oh, that's I find it all so interesting. But yeah, there's so many different hoops you've got to jump through, I can imagine, and so many things you've got to tick off as well. Yes, yeah, it's quite involved, yeah. And Dylan's yeah. kept really busy with this sort of stuff. Oh, I can imagine, definitely. Um, can you talk a little bit more or explain for people who haven't heard of LAVO, what it sort of is, a little bit more about your partnership and how it's impacting the wines? Yeah, so we partnered with LAVO, Lavo Hydrogen Technology, in June 2021. Okay, yeah. Where we were trying to investigate hydrogen storage solutions, which would hopefully get the winery to a carbon negative situation um, in the yeah. future. So we did some work with them to fit into, you know, how we switch out our fuel and our, our energy sources and so forth. But we found with them it's still, a, the technology still early days. Yeah. And in terms of commercialisation and operating our larger equipment in the winery that we're just not quite there yet yeah. with hydrogen power. But that's not to say that we're still not very interested in hydrogen power going mm. forward and hopefully... Yeah, the technology improves so that we can uh, certainly run our a winery on hydrogen in the future. We have recently invested in some lithium-ion batteries for storage okay. on our vineyard sites. So that's great. And along with solar power, yeah, that's made one vineyard in particular have no carbon emissions, basically. So we're working on getting the other farms off grid as well so it's stories like this that hopefully the consumer if mm. they know about that and the rewild brand that they'll feel good about buying a bottle of rewild yes no definitely i kind of feel like people definitely when they're i feel now when people buy a wine they kind of want to know the backstory they want to know that they're doing something good for the planet and people sort of like that extra little detail Yes, yeah, I agree. And like we said before, sustainability is certainly a big buzzword with all industry at the moment. So, Okay, definitely. Um, so moving on to the second wine, which is the Fiano. Can you tell uh, me a little bit more about the wine and what you'd pair with it? I know that some people might not be familiar with a Fiano, so maybe you could 
tell us a little bit about this sort of great varietal as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so we quite grow quite a bit of Fiano. It, it's a fantastic variety for this region. It loves the hot weather. Probably year on year, um, some of the Italian varieties like Fiano make the best wines we make out of vintage each season. So, mm. so Fiano is a variety that's grown primarily in Campania, which is the southern region of Italy, and in Sicily. Yeah. As I mentioned, the variety loves hot weather, so it's really well suited to the Murray-Darling region. And it can produce wines of great diverse styles. So you can have rich, full-bodied wines, or we've gone for something a little bit tighter and structured and mm. fresh and fruity with our Fiano. I think the Rewild Fiano is a really bright and crisp wine. It shows some lovely pear, citrus, stone fruits on the nose. It's medium-bodied and quite crisp and flavoursome. So there's no oak in the wine at all. Yeah. So we've gone unwooded. It's a new release in the Rewild range and it's only been out for a little while, but we're getting great reviews on, on the Fiano as well. So food-wise, what would this pair with? I think <laughs> a nice sort of chicken dish, some lemon and herb crusted chicken, maybe yep. some pork with applesauce or maybe a vegetable terrine maybe. Yeah. Again, just lovely, easy drinking wine. Yes. No, I really like this one as well. No, I definitely feel, I can definitely imagine having it with chicken. So I'm getting hungry just talking about this. Looking at the bottles, seeing as I've got them in front of me, um, is there a story behind the label design? I feel like the labels are beautiful. And I know I used to, before I knew a lot about wine, I used to definitely pick a bottle off the label. I'd be like, oh, that's a pretty label. I probably will like that. So I know a lot goes into label design. But yeah, is there a story behind this one? Yeah, we're really happy with the design on the label and it does pop on the shelf and yeah. sort of sticks out a bit. So the artwork is supposed to depict our region, basically, um, mm -hmm. from our beautiful blue skies to the Murray River and the, all the different soil types that are throughout the district and on our vineyards as well. So, yeah, the, the labels, like I say, are, are true to the region. Yes, but they also look great on the shelf, I think. And as I mentioned before, they're, they're made of sugarcane waste, so um, it's a win-win. Yes, no, definitely. No, they definitely would pop on the shelf. What do you think the wine industry will see more or less of in 2023? Obviously, I'm definitely thinking we'll be seeing more of sustainability, but do you think there's going to be anything else? I'm not sure. I certainly hope we see, see less trade barriers and yeah. freight issues than we've had <laughs> in 2022. That's been a nightmare for the industry. Mm. And uh, the weather has also been a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> you know, La Nina is great for filling up our water catchments, but it's not great for growing grapes in. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of growers and, and we're one of them with reduced crops this year because of uh, disease pressure in the vineyard. Yeah. I sort of hope that the Australian wine consumer will continue to taste and buy alternative varieties as well. So yeah. expand their wine knowledge, you know, rather than just buy a stock standard bottle of Chardonnay or Shiraz. There's some great wines out there that have originated from other countries, you know, 
the Fianos, the Vermentinos, yeah. the Malbecs, the Pampanillos, those uh, varieties which grow really well in, in the Mildura region. I, I do hope also that, you know, consumers will look to purchase more sustainable wine brands. Yes. You know, these companies are doing their best and, and Rewild um, is an example that, you know, we're trying to do the best for the environment and help protect our, cli- our planet from climate change. So um, we're certainly very passionate about this and yeah, we'll continue to drive initiatives around making our operations more sustainable in the future. Yes, no, definitely. I'm talking back to if you could have a perfect climate, what would it be for the area that you're in? Uh, 30 <laughs> degrees every day, sunny, um, with uh, a little bit of rain in spring, just not too much rain. Yeah. Uh, not too much humidity. Yeah, we, we need a bit of cold weather during winter for the vines to go to sleep, but yeah. it's just that humidity that uh, the grapevines don't like. I have to be honest, I don't really like the humidity either, so <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Um, yeah. So we've reached the last question. From the full range of wines available at Rewild, I know there's quite a few, so this might be quite difficult, like picking children. Um, what would you take to a dinner party, a barbecue, and a picnic? Ah, good question. Um, <laughs> I quite like the Chardonnay in the Rewild range. So if mm. I was going to a dinner party and I could match the Chardonnay with a nice chicken dish, I'd probably go with the Chardonnay. Yeah. A barbecue, so you're going to have a nice ribeye steak, hopefully, so probably the Rewild Cabs have. Yeah. And if you're going on a picnic, um, I'd probably pick the Prosecco with some canapes or a fruit platter, or I'd probably go down that range, something light and fresh and vibrant. Mm, No, they're perfect choices. I feel like people always like that because I know – if you don't know a lot about wine and you're stuck in the bottle store and you don't want to pick from the label, it's nice to kind of have an idea of sort of what to pick out when you're going to those sorts of things. Thank you so much for setting aside the time to do this podcast with me today. Um, is a where can people follow Rewild? Where can they purchase? Um, you mentioned Dan Murphy's in select BWS stores. Is there anywhere that they can follow your journey and anything like that? Yeah, uh, Rewild on Instagram, if you, if you uh, look up the Instagram tag, is it these days? I'm not sure yeah. what it's called. <laughs> Instagram handle. <laughs> handle, that's the one. So um, you can look it up in Insta. You can find it on the Dan's and BWS websites. Yeah. Um, they're marketing the wine very well. And yes. I think they're very happy with the quality and the results that they're getting from the from the wine on the shelf. and the feedback on quality from from the consumers amazing well perfect thank you so much this is learned so much about sustainability and hopefully more wineries will follow suit in 2023 so. as well you can purchase rewild wines exclusively from your local dan murphy's or select bws stores please keep up to date with rewild's journey over on their instagram rewild wine A massive thank you for listening to this episode from start to finish. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the Australian wine industry and were able to indulge in a couple of glasses yourself. If you liked what you heard, then please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To stay up to date with upcoming guests, 
wines I'm currently drinking, and food pairings. Follow me on Instagram at Fine Vines and Wine for all of the extra and behind the scenes content. See you next time for another glimpse into the world of wine. Cheers.